French prostitutes had been flown in to celebrate the acquittal. The favorite was Marie-Christine, a blonde-haired girl said by the Paris Bureau to be a 13-year-old virgin. Braless, wearing underwear with Minnie Mouse on the elastic, she looked to be about ten, a real prize. Nicole, Sylvie, Ghislaine were there for the judges, Savak generals who had labored over the evidence for a year before bringing the case to trial. The fifth girl, a pale beauty from Lyon, was intended for the prosecutor, but he had turned down the invitation to stay at home with his wife. Rather than let her go to waste, Farmayan, the defendant in the notorious case, had taken her to bed with Marie-Christine, which had pleased the younger girl in ways he had not anticipated. In truth, Marie-Christine was nearly fifteen and well-used, her virginity restored by Swiss doctors who had stitched fetal lamb tissue across the entrance to her vagina. The orgy in the penthouse suite of the royal Tehran Hilton had gone on until dawn, when the girls were returned to the airport by military car. In eight hours they had earned ten thousand U.S. dollars for their pimps, and been lavished with fine Persian miniature paintings, souvenirs of their brief visit to Iran, which they would trade for drugs at the first opportunity. At nine o'clock, the tribunal at Savak headquarters was called to order for the start of testimony in support of the verdict arrived at in advance. The young prosecutor who had spent the night in his own bed looked wearier than anyone else. In a parched tone that betrayed his discomfort, he detailed the charges. Colonel Farmayan was accused of the rape slayings of two leaders of the Democratic Association of Iranian Women during interrogation at Evin Prison, the latest in a string of similar outrages. Farmayan, 39, dozed through the opening statement. Not until the prosecutor revealed that, acting as his own chief investigator, he had located two eyewitnesses did the defendant sit erect in his chair. In light of the overwhelming evidence of his guilt, the young lawyer told the court, and the likelihood that he will commit the same offense again, I am asking for the accused to be put to death. Would natural law be so accommodating, I'd request two consecutive sentences. All three judges glared at him. At 11.30, before the eyewitnesses could be called, they ruled that there was no case and Farmayan had been found innocent. The prosecutor raised his voice in objection and was silenced by the threat of contempt if he persisted. Appeal would not be considered. For a week, the prosecutor brooded. The verdict had never been in serious doubt. When he was assigned to the murders, he had been made to understand what was expected of him. An acquittal would not be a black mark on his record 
but regarded as the opposite, a strong foundation for advancing his career. He had protested that he wanted no part of it. A plan to guarantee a just sentence was already taking shape in his head. On the eighth day after the trial, the prosecutor left early from work, complaining of nausea. It was a short drive to his apartment, where he changed from his uniform into a suit purchased from an old clothes peddler. A soiled cap pulled low over his forehead completed the transformation. He drove back to headquarters in his wife's car, a yellow Thunderbird dripping new car smell, and idled the engine at the curb. When Farmayan came outside, he was with two agents on leave from Paris. They went to a black Mercedes-Benz at the corner, and Farmayan unlocked the passenger's door. The prosecutor took shallow breaths. If the men got into the car together, his plan would have to be scrapped. After talking for five minutes, Farmayan clapped the others on the back, and they walked away laughing. The prosecutor was not far behind as Farmayan went around to the driver's side and sped off by himself.